Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Exodus, and to Exodus chapter 34. Familiar territory here, Moses is on the mount. He's asked to see God's glory. And God places him on the mount and passes by him as he is hidden in the cleft of the rock. Exodus 34, we begin in verse 5. Now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. So Moses made haste and bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped. Then he said, If now I have found grace in your sight, O Lord, let my Lord, I pray, go among us, even though we are a stiff-necked people, and pardon our iniquity and our sin, and take us as your inheritance. Amen. Let's come to God in prayer. Spirit of power and truth, guide us now in all truth as we open up your most holy and living word. Remove distractions and sharpen our minds. Focus our attention and soften our hearts. Make us expository listeners as your word is preached. And above all, reveal yourself to us as your word is expounded. Show us Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. A simple outline for you, if you're a note taker, so that you can track as we move through this attribute, namely the patience of God. First, a translational note. A translational note. And then we look to the power of God. The power of God. And then, finally, God's patience. Now, this sermon is not so much about God's power as it is about His patience. The title of the sermon this afternoon is God's Power and Patience. On one level, we all know what patience means what it means to be patient. We know what patience is. More often than not, we are, we are an impatient people. We are the opposite of patient. I have said to myself over the years, patience is a virtue. Time is not meant to hurt you. I tend to be a hasty person. I like to get things done and to move on. I often I often lack patience. I am an impatient person. Perhaps some of you can relate. Now, throughout Scripture, God Himself is described, He is described as patient. Listen to this verse, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. Listen to it in the ESV. The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promises as some count slowness, but He is patient toward you, 
not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. He is patient toward you. Now, I do not mean to belittle your translations, because I think our translations are wonderful. But the ESV just doesn't do it for me. Listen to a few of the synonyms that are used throughout Scripture for patience. Now again, our translations are wonderful, but here, synonyms help us. God is said to forbear. Romans 3.25 In His divine forbearance, God passed over sins that were previously committed. Now, to forbear is to control one's feelings, to bear up against. To forbear is to endure and, and to preserve under pressure. Romans 9.22, listen to this. This verse speaks of God enduring with much patience. This, friends, paints a picture of, of great patience. Patience and, and forbearance and endurance. But my favorite and the best translation in my professional opinion comes from my beloved King James Version. Perhaps you heard it when I read Exodus 34. Verse 6 reads thus, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful, gracious, long-suffering. The Lord is long-suffering toward us. 2 Peter 3 not willing that any should perish. He is long-suffering toward us. Psalm 86, verse 15. But you, O Lord, you are a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in mercy and truth. Beloved, He is patient with you. He is patient with us. He is long-suffering toward us. You. And you can hear, in that translation, you can hear the compound word. He suffers long. He is long-suffering. Listen to Isaiah 30, verse 18. Listen to this. The Lord will wait. Now, beloved, God waits for no man. He is, he is Almighty God. But Isaiah tells us that the Lord, verse 18 of chapter 30, the Lord will wait. He will wait that He may be gracious to you. This sermon is not so much about God's power as it is about His patience, that He is long-suffering. But first, first I want to take up and establish with you the power of God. The power of God. Now, no one would deny that God is powerful. If He were not, if He were impotent, He would not be God. But as God, He is omnipotent. He is omnipotent. This is by definition what it means to be God. A powerless deity is no deity at all. Now, as we think of God's power, or any of His attributes for that fact, it is essential that we keep in mind, as you well know, the distinction between the Creator and the creature. As we think of all of God's attributes, 
we must keep in mind this distinction. He is the creator, we are the creature. This distinction is essential and critical in our understanding. Friends, God's great power, His omnipotence, is not simply an earthly power at its maximum. God's power is not simply an earthly power at its maximum, as if God's power is simply the strongest earthly strength. No, beloved, power, power as defined from a human perspective, that's one thing. Uh, From an angelic perspective, that is another thing. These are creaturely powers, if you will. But divine power is something altogether different. At one level, God's infinite power, His his transcendent power, His omnipotence is beyond our ability to understand or to even comprehend. Inasmuch as the finite cannot take in that which is infinite. Now, by way of comparison, it's as if we are all tiny insects, as ants. But even that comparison, that illustration fails because we're still comparing creatures to creatures. Beloved, God's power is otherworldly. Thus, it is He is beyond this world and beyond our full comprehension. It, it's not simply strength as we conceive of strength or power at its full potential. But no, God's power is a transcendent it is an infinite, it is an eternal, it is, it is a power that is omnipotence. And that, at, at one level, is beyond our ability to even conceptualize. Again, I quote to you the medieval theologian, Anselm of Canterbury. He wrote this, that God is that which is greater than can be conceived. God is that which is greater than can be conceived. In other words, Whatever it is that you might conceive of as great and greatness, God is greater yet still. The most powerful power that you can imagine, God is more powerful yet still. The strongest strength, God is stronger yet still. That said, that said, God has, as you all well know, He has displayed His power. His power is, it is manifest and revealed. It is clearly seen in the things that have been made. The Apostle Paul says it like this in Romans. He said, For since the creation of the world, the invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead. Romans chapter 1, verse 20. Listen to Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 12. He has made the earth by His power. He's established the world by His wisdom. He has stretched out the heavens by His discretion. Psalm 19, a familiar psalm. The heavens declare the glory of God. They show forth His handiwork. And all of that, all that is, came to be by the power of His Word, by speaking. He creates all that is by simply speaking. Beloved, (laughs) what, pray tell, does that imply about the one who speaks? If his word can create something out of nothing, what does that say of the one who speaks? This is a power that is greater than can be conceived. 
who creates by the power of his word, as you well know. And, and he upholds all things by the word of his power. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. I love the, I love the Spanish word for power. Poderoso. He is, he is able. This comes from the word poder, which is can or, or an ability. He is able. He is Dios poderoso. Powerful God. Absolute potency. Infinite energy. Infinite strength. Absolute act and action. Boundless capacity. Potencia y fuerza. Potency and strength. Listen to 1 Timothy 6.15. He, 1 Timothy 6.15 says, He, that is God, He is the blessed and only potentate the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Did you hear, friends, that beautiful word? That beautiful translation. He is blessed. He is the only potentate. In the ESV, in the NASB, He is the only sovereign. Not a bad translation. It just doesn't do it for me. In the NIV, He is the only ruler. For all of you Greek students, go look that word up in Greek and tell me which translation you prefer. But listen, the King James does it best. He is blessed and the only potentate. The only one who has absolute potency, who is omnipotent. The only one who wields absolute power over all things, all that has been, that will be, and could ever be. Dios Poderoso, Almighty God, the only potentate and beloved. Time would fail us to go through passage after passage in Scripture that speak of God's might, of His power, of His potency. Exodus 15, verse 6, Moses' song, the power of God is displayed in Egypt, Moses sings. Uh, delivering his people in power the power of god that worked miracles in egypt plagues and the division of the sea first corinthians six fourteen, the power of god that raised jesus from the dead ephesians 1 19 the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power we could go on for days but I want to take you to one particular place, to one particular expression of God's power. I want to take you to the power of His judgment, to the power of His wrath. I want to take you to the power of His holy anger. Now, in nature, great power can and should, it should produce great fear, and rightly so. The power of Niagara, flowing waters that have the potential to destroy and to take life. How about this? The power and sheer force of a storm or an earthquake. Or how about this? The power of a ravenous, uncontrollable wild beast. Beloved, there ought to be an appropriate fear that corresponds to such power, a respect and a fear. Or let's say the power of a nuclear weapon. Or how about this? How about the power of the state? The power of the state in our country, a delegated power, it's, it's the power of the people, where the law has a certain power 
over its citizens. Laws made by the people and for the people. And so there ought to be a corresponding fear and respect that comes as a result of this power for all who are under it. And to disrespect these powers can lead to your demise. Beloved, the power of God can be seen in His righteous judgment. Where God in righteous judgment destroyed at one time the world by a flood. Or think of Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities of the plain. It was because of their wickedness and the sinfulness of sin that God rained down fire and brimstone. There was no fear of God in their eyes. And thus the power of God's judgment and holy wrath was unleashed on those who sinned with impunity. Or so they thought. You see, beloved, God is holy and He hates sin. And His power is displayed in the judgment of sinners. He made His power known to Pharaoh in Egypt. He said in chapter 9, verse 16 of Exodus, For this reason, for this purpose, have I raised you up, that I might show my power in you, and that my name might be declared in all of the earth. Which is exactly what Paul says in Romans 9, quoting Exodus 9. Nebuchadnezzar, after his repentance in Daniel 4, listened to Nebuchadnezzar, he said this, he said of God that all of the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And he does according to his will in the hosts of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say to him, what hast thou done? None can stop or stay His hand. He does according to His will. He cannot be questioned. Sinful creatures cannot say to holy God, What hast thou done? When Almighty God, when He exercises the power of His holy justice and judgment, He cannot be thwarted. None can stay His hand. None can stop His hand or restrain His wrath. Hebrews 10.31 says this, It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And thus, thus, there must be a corresponding fear to such power in every creature. Jonathan Edwards referred to God as the dread supreme. The dread supreme. And we, beloved, all of us, every last one of us, we're sinful. We are rebellious creatures, iniquitous. There is none righteous. No, not one, says the psalmist, says Paul. There is is none who does good. No, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all, we have all turned aside together. We have become unprofitable and corrupt. Romans chapter 3, verse 10. 
Every mouth is stopped and the whole world is guilty before God. All have sinned and fallen short the glory of God. Therefore, we are all subject to the just judgment of a good and righteous and holy God. And He has power to carry out His just judgment, the sentence and the punishment for our crimes. Again, Edwards said this, Sin committed against an infinitely holy God is an infinitely heinous act and deserves an infinitely long and horrible punishment. Beloved, His power is manifest in judgment. None can stay His hand. Why? Because no one is powerful enough. You would would sooner topple Mount Everest by blowing on it then you could restrain the Almighty. Then stay His hand or challenge His might. Well, some of you, some of you know that I like to read. I have a book on my shelf that has taken me a few years to read. And it's not because I don't like it or because it's too long. It is rather long, but not a few years long. It has taken this long because I can only take in so much at a time. It is rich, and I constantly have to to put it down and pause so that I can marinate, as they say. In my estimation, by far the greatest book ever written on the person and attributes of God is by a Puritan named Stephen Charnock. The title of his book, The Existence and Attributes of God. Of God. And in his chapter on the power of God, Charnock argues this that the power of God is the ground and the foundation for his patience. When I read that, I was confused and I was also intrigued. He says that. The ground for God's patience is His power. Beloved, when Adam sinned, when we sin, when we disobey and continue to walk in disobedience, when we live according to our flesh, contrary to God's good and holy command, when we violate His word and contradict His good and holy law, beloved, we subject ourselves to God's judgment. We commit crimes that deserve punishment, that deserve justice. And it, it, is a, it is a wonder that God does not break into this world in judgment and wrath right now. At this very moment, He can and He, and he should. Justice demands a verdict Holiness demands justice, else he would not be holy, he would not be good, yea, he would not be God. And so we come to the power of God's patience. God's power and patience, and now the power of his patience. Because the only force in the universe that is powerful enough, that is potent enough to restrain God and hold Him back 
so that he defers his wrath and his holy justice and his holy judgment. The only power that is able to restrain the Almighty is the Almighty himself. God exercises his infinite eternal power against himself in order to restrain what is just and holy and righteous and good. He defers the payment. He restrains by his own power. He restrains the power of his judgment. This, beloved, is the ground and the foundation for his patience with us. And with you. Charnock argues that God's power is on display in creation. One aspect of his power is seen in creative power as God exercises his ability toward the creatures, toward creation. But, but, it is power on an entirely different plane when he exercises his divine power to restrain his own holy judgment. Listen to Charnock, quote, In the pardon of a sinner, after many overtures made to him and refused by him, God exercises a power over himself because the sinner has dishonored God, provoked his justice, abused His goodness, and done injury to all of those attributes which are necessary for the sinner's pardon and relief. And so, beloved, God's patience is the exercise of His power against Himself. Now, we see this by way of analogy. We see this in our own experience. If if you are wronged, uh, if you're defrauded in some way, shape, or form, you have every right and you have the power, the power, if you will, to seek justice, to seek retribution, to right the wrong. Absolutely. But, but, it takes another kind of power, a more powerful power, if you will, to exercise self-control and to do good to those who persecute you and to pray even for an enemy. Some of you perhaps struggle with anger. That is your sin. You are weak. You have no power over your anger. You have no self-control. You see, beloved, true strength is expressed in self-control. We say around here at PBC that, that meekness is not weakness, but strength under control. Those who are filled with the Holy Spirit produce the fruit of the Spirit. Listen to the fruit of the Spirit. Love, peace, joy, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Meekness is the power of control. It is a disciplined power. 
A man or a woman who cannot control his or her anger, lust, pride. A man or a woman who cannot control their tongue is not strong despite their vaunted boasting. Such a one is not strong, but weak. True power, true strength, beloved, is self-control. Now, I said to you that God refrains, that God holds back, and that He defers His wrath. You see, beloved, He cannot just sweep it all under the rug. He cannot just forget about it and let bygones be bygones. He, he can't just let it go. That would actually be wrong. That would be a, a, a violation of justice. It would be a cosmic injustice. And thus God would be unjust. If, if sin is an infinitely heinous act, and it is, then He can't just sweep it under the rug and just forget about it. God forbid. God forbid, for then He would not be righteous or good. And so, I said to you, He defers His wrath. He restrains by His omnipotent power. He restrains His just judgment. And when, when He is ready to release the power of His judgment, when He's ready, before He opens the floodgates of His holy wrath, He sends His only begotten Son. So that as He exercises His almighty strength and His power, holding back the power of His holy justice, when that justice is finally unleashed, He unleashes it on Himself, namely His Son. The Father's wrath completely satisfied. We sing, till on that cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied for every sin on Him was lain. This, beloved, is the forbearance of God. This is His endurance, if you will. This is His long-suffering toward you. He is patient with you. With us. And in his divine forbearance, in his divine patience, he exercises the power of his mercy. And he does so over judgment, so that mercy triumphs over judgment, as our brother James teaches us. God answers the force of his justice in the exercise of an even greater force. A greater power, if you will. The power of His mercy and grace. This, beloved, this is the power of His patience toward us, toward sinners like you and me. The most potent act in history is the act that restrained the holy wrath of God such that He passed over sin previously committed. We, we sang it, did we not? This the power of the cross. Son of God, slain for us. Listen to Mr. Charnock again. 
in other judgments, he lets out his wrath against his creatures. In this, in salvation, in redemption, he lets out his wrath, as it were, against himself, against his son, one as dear to him as himself. And friends, this is, this is so like God. He is powerful and merciful. He is gracious. Just as He revealed to Moses, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, abounding in goodness and truth. God, He does something like this with Abraham. He does something like this with Abraham. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 6, all the way to the other side of your Bible, toward the end. Hebrews chapter 6. Let's read this passage together. This is so like God. Look at verse 13 of Hebrews chapter 6. Look at verse 13. For when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself. Jump down to verse 17. Thus God determined to show more abundantly to the heirs of the promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we, we might have strong consolation. God swore by himself. And I will let you study and parse out all of the details of that parallel passage. In other judgments, he lets out his wrath against his creatures. But in salvation, he lets out his wrath upon himself, against the Son, against one who is as dear to him as himself, for they are one. Beloved, as we meditate on God's power now, the power of his judgment, what's more on the power of his patience, that He forbears, that He is long-suffering with you. Perhaps, perhaps you will read Romans 1, verse 16, with new eyes, with fresh eyes, as it were, for the first time. For I am not ashamed of the Gospel of Christ. For, because, it is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. Turn with me quickly to Romans. Romans chapter 3. Paul zeroes in on the very thing that we are unpacking. Romans chapter 3, let's begin in verse 23, and again, I'm not going to unpack all the rich, deep gospel truths that are here, but they need to be excavated and mined. I'm simply going to read it, and Paul zeroes in on exactly what we're unpacking. Verse 23, for all have sinned and fallen short the glory of God, being justified Freely by His grace 
through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ, whom God set forth. God put Jesus forward as a propitiation or a sacrifice of atonement by His blood through faith. Why? To demonstrate that He is to demonstrate His righteousness. Well, why did He need to demonstrate His righteousness? Because in His forbearance, in His patience, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. In His divine patience, exercising His power, the power of patience against His judgment, He was passing over sins that were previously committed. Dear sinner, He is so patient with you. He is not desirous that you perish, but that you come to repentance. Do not, do not test the patience of God. Do not test His forbearance. To do so is only to despise His power. In the face of a crucified Savior who bore God's holy wrath, to test His patience would be to trample underfoot the Son of God. It is and would be to count the blood of the covenant as a deviled thing. It is an insult to the Spirit of grace. Do not Do not test his patience. That would be evil. This is the great, this is the greatest of wickedness. To to do so would only demonstrate that there is no fear of God in your eyes. And it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But sinner, listen. If I can't scare you to Christ, then let me woo you to him. Oh, how patient He is with you. So patient that He will wait. Isaiah 30, 18. He will wait so that He might be gracious to you. In the exercise of omnipotent power, He will wait so that He might lavish you in His sovereign omnipotent grace in Christ. Do not test His patience, for it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Let's pray together. Patient and powerful God, we come before You humbled by our sin and more so more humbled by your goodness and patience with us. You have not treated us as our sins deserve, nor punished us according to our iniquity. This humbles us all the more and makes us hate sin all the more. Lord, we confess our sins and we confess that we are sinful. We are by nature children of wrath because of Adam our father and because of our flesh. For in our flesh dwelleth no good thing. But you, O Lord, are patient 
and long-suffering. You forbear. You know our frame. And by your kindness, we're not consumed. Instead of judging and destroying sinners like us, you send your Son to die for sinners like us. And so in your patience and forbearance, you passed over sins previously committed so that, so that in Christ, your kindness and, and your righteousness might be revealed to all who have trusted in Him. All of our faith then is in Christ. And in Him we have great confidence that our sins are forgiven because that is what you said and that is exactly what He promised. Lord, increase our trust. Increase our faith in Your promises and in Your Son. Glory to Almighty God, merciful, gracious, long-suffering, and abounding in goodness and truth. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.